0: Once I get to know my patients and I go home and then I come back and I don't see them or I find out they've passed. It was really hard and being someone so young just constantly seeing people pass was really difficult. And I think that was one of the reasons why I chose not to to keep working with people that were ill. It wasn't because I didn't want to be a nurse because I love love being a nurse. I think that The fact that people were leaving me was really hard at such a young age, even now. I mean, that's why I chose to do something that was always happy, celebrating all the time.
1: Welcome to How Do You Do That, where we explore the stories and advice of people who have found work they love and how they got there. Today, I'm excited to have Rebecca Ty on the show. Rebecca is the talented wedding and event designer who helped plan and coordinate our wedding during the challenging times of the pandemic. But Rebecca's career path hasn't always been straightforward. In this episode, she shares her story of moving from a nursing career in oncology, becoming a florist and ultimately finding her passion in wedding event design. Get ready to be inspired as Rebecca talks about the challenges and rewards of following her heart to her dream job. All right, we're live. Oh my gosh, okay. <laughs> in Oklahoma City, it is like 26 degrees outside. It is starting to drop really fast.
0: Yes, it is very frigid outside. So yeah. th- thankfully we're in here and it's nice and warm.
1: Yeah, we are in the library down the street, which is a really nice setup, which I had no idea that you could just rent out a little glass room and yeah. do something like this. I'll have the to do this more out often. The
0: window is also pretty amazing too. So
1: Yeah, so thanks for the tip for the library. If I do any more, podcast in this hope. area. I'll have to book a space here to do it.
0: Actually, you don't even have to do that. It's really? first come, first serve. Yeah. Oh, okay. So so, it worked out really well.
1: Yeah, that's great. So yeah. have you been in this south side of Oklahoma City for a long time?
0: I have. I want to say, oh my goodness, about 14 years. 14 years. Yeah. Okay.
1: 13, 14 years. So where did you grow up then?
0: I grew up—well, actually, why don't we just go all the way back? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I immigrated to the United States when I was uh, about two and a half, mm-hmm. and then my family finally settled in, in Arlington, Texas, and that's basically where I grew up. I lived there for about 22 years. So,
1: so what made— You moved to Oklahoma City. Was it work or did your family move here as well?
0: No, I actually felt it was time to kind of spread my wings and leave. So I enrolled at OU to work on a master's program. And so I packed my bags and left.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. So what master's did you do at OU? I
0: wanted to study health administration, so business health administration.
1: Oh, I didn't. I don't think I realized you did health administration.
0: No, you don't know anything about me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's so funny because, yeah, I did the, the MBA in healthcare administration did you at Baylor. Really? Yeah. So. Okay.
0: So I just started, and then that's where I, I met my husband. And we started dating and we decided to get married. He was a little bit older. He was right out of school. And I felt like it was time for me to settle down too. So put education on the back burner. Mm-hmm. And we got married, had children right away. So I took 10 years off to raise kids. So that's all I did was focused on my children for their first 10 years. Sarah was yeah about 10 years old. And my youngest one was three and a half when I decided I wanted to start wedding planning. Oh wow.
1: <laughs> so you did your master's and then
0: Well, I didn't quite finish my master's. Got I started, started. I started and then we got married and then I mm. went full mommy mode.
1: Got it. You said you did nursing, right? Were you a nurse? I did. A nurse? Okay.
0: Yeah. So that was that was what I went to school in Arlington. So I got my nursing degree and I worked for, oh goodness, three years, four years. But that's about the time that I decided that I didn't want to stay in that position as a floor nurse and Mm. i wanted to go into doing more administrative stuff so that's where ou comes into play and that's where oklahoma relocated to oklahoma
1: so what what was it like being a floor nurse and what made you want to shift to healthcare administration i worked
0: as an oncology nurse Mm -hmm. and so i was dealing with patients that were very ill I'm the type of person that once I get to know someone, I just instantly fall in love with them. They become a part of my life automatically. Yeah. Once I get to know my patients and I go home and then I come back and I don't see them or I find out they've passed, it was really hard. And being someone so young, just constantly seeing people pass was really difficult. And I think that was one of the reasons why I chose not to to keep working with people that were ill. It wasn't because I didn't want to be a nurse because I love Love being a nurse. I think that the fact that people were leaving me was really hard at such a young age. Even now, I mean, that's why I chose to do something that was always happy, celebrating all the time, just the happiness. I just I didn't want to see death anymore. I think yeah. death was really at, at any age was really hard. So not necessarily just being a floor nurse, but just where I was working, I was working in oncology cancer. Hmm. Dad was just really hard.
1: Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. All my friends that have been in nursing, even physicians too, we've talked about how when you work in the healthcare space and you work in patient care, Mm -hmm. you get a lot of high highs, but you also have a lot of low lows.
0: When you work with people or not even people, but patients that become your friends and you're attached to them. And then one day they're here and the next day they're gone. It's just, it's It takes an emotional toll on you Mm -hmm. a lot. And so taking care of people, it's it's a difficult job, but it's also very rewarding. And I think that's why when I got a second chance at doing something that I really love, I wanted to celebrate life. I wanted to celebrate with people the joys, the highs of just celebrating love. So that's where wedding planning and flowers and all of that fun stuff comes into play.
1: So it sounds like you sort of transitioned and pivoted from... Caring for patients and mm-hmm. caring for people in a hospital setting to caring for people on a very different special day. And so maybe before we jump into that, was it hard to go from full-time mom for five ten or years. ten years? What was that experience like to take a pause from career work mm-hmm. before jumping back into a new yeah. career? What was that like?
0: I really enjoyed being a mom. I think it's just my personality. I have a very nurturing personality. So taking care of my children has always been a priority, and I enjoy it. I enjoy watching them grow up. I enjoy being there when they need me. I enjoy the opportunity to just be at every parent-teacher conference, being able to, to read to them. Because now, in their older age, they obviously don't need me as much. I don't have to be there at school with them, and I don't have to be there right. to read to them. They're very independent, obviously, after the first few years. So... I wanted to be there for them for those years.
1: Yeah, so early on you get to really lay the foundation with them and spend time with them. When we lived in an apartment, we met another Vietnamese couple and they had a baby that was about six months old. And it's been so fun getting to like be there in those early years, watching them change and grow and they develop yes, so quickly. They really do. And we even look back on photos a year ago and you're like, whoa, this baby looks totally different and they're so much more capable and it's only been a year and so I, I can totally get how... Those first couple of years are just so special and they go by so quickly.
0: Yes, definitely. They just grow up so fast. Mm-hmm. In the blink of an eye and now they're getting married. So Yeah, that's <laughs> there awesome. There you go. <laughs> so how
1: did you pick wedding planning and coordinating as the career that you wanted to jump into after taking 10 years off?
0: I actually didn't. I started out as a florist. I love working with flowers. The flowers just bring happiness to everyone. So I started there. A friend of mine and I we decided that she also had taken a little bit of time off of her career to raise her little ones and we decided we just wanted to do something fun so we opened up a little flower shop for about 6 months and we realized that we we weren't really compatible in terms of how we wanted to run the business she was more wanting to do children's stuff, selling gifts and stuff like that. Mm. And I really wanted to focus on flowers and weddings and events. And so we decided that maybe she can do that and I can just go ahead and just open my own shop and do flowers. So I opened up a flower shop in Midwest City for about another six months, so I'm almost a year in, and I ran into the director of catering at the Sheraton Hotel. Oh, Yes, so... uh, He was
1: just there buying flowers or...?
0: No, actually, they had a, it was like a bridal show Mm -hmm. that was going on at their hotel, and I just happened to just walk in just to see what all the other vendors were doing, Mm -hmm. and I met with her, and I just told her that, hey, I just opened up a flower shop around the corner, and she said, oh, well, why don't you tell me a little about yourself, what you do, what type of flowers you do, and so I just showed her some of my mock-ups, and she said, well, we're having a grand opening for the hotel in the Reed Center. Would you like to be a part of that? Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) And I said, oh, sure. Why not? Mm. There was nothing to lose and a whole bunch of things to gain from doing that. So I said, sure, let me help you out. I did that and I took some photos and I had a friend who was a professional photographer and he came in and he did professional photos of my work.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And then we put it on a website and went from there. The Skirvin Hotel was just being remodeled downtown And they found our website, and they said, hey, would you be interested in doing our grand opening? And I was like, sure. Oh, my gosh. So I worked with them for about six months before they opened up the Skirvin. I guess back in 2007, 2008. But, yeah, we were a brand-new company, literally under a year, and we'd already opened up one hotel. And then we were about to open up one of the largest hotels downtown that had been Remodeled and it was a big highlight during that time. It was kind of the renovating state of Automobile Alley. Oh wow! And so it was pretty
1: exciting. Yeah, and, and hotels—they're massive. I mean, when I think of buying flowers, I think of buying a bouquet, maybe two for yeah. my parents or something like that. But a hotel, like they must have bought a lot of flowers to make yes. any sort of visual difference. Yeah,
0: it was—it was a big deal. We were just under a year of just opening as mm. a flower shop. But we walked in there, we were really confident, I knew what I was capable of doing, and I wanted to show them that I could provide a service and do something that Oklahoma City wasn't known for, which was being modern and innovative, and they were excited, and so it was really big. It was a big stepping stone for me as a florist, but that's where I felt like I could do more. Mm -hmm. After we opened the Girvin Hotel downtown, we were in-house for five years, I had the opportunity to work with a lot of companies. And that's when I thought, oh, I could do more than just flowers. I could offer them actual designs for their event. I can help match linens and tell them what type of lighting would work really well in the space. And I became a designer. It wasn't just being a florist, it was a floral designer, an event designer. And then I started thinking, goodness if I can do all of that I can actually plan the entire event for them. Oh wow. (laughs) So I kind of grew into that event planning and coordinating position Mm -hmm. but it wasn't always something that I had dreamt of doing growing up or even as a career I didn't think that I was going to wake up and just be hey I just want to be a wedding planner or a wedding coordinator. I kind of worked my way into it just from working with the flowers working with the design Of what the table should look like and then what the room should look like and then just going hey if i'm going to manage all of this i could pretty much manage the rest of the event as well so
1: that's amazing that you started with flowers and just coordinating that piece of it and i think it has a lot to do with how talented you are and how thoughtful and how detailed you are as well because if somebody walks in and they're not impressed with that you instantly get that feedback right and for someone to say hey that looks really good who did that for you can you Tell me more about that person. Oh, Rebecca did it for me. Well, can we have Rebecca do ours too? Like ours is coming up too. Like your work is on constant display at that point. And then for that to sort of yeah. domino into your next gig.
0: Exactly. It was it was very validating, I guess, for me, because I did not have any formal training or education at that point when I was first starting out. Everything was self taught. I spent countless hours just looking at pictures and reading up on how to do things and what materials worked and what didn't work and learning from other florists online. At that point, everything was just starting to show up online and learning from other designers. And of course, now there's courses and workshops and stuff like that where a lot of new people who are interested in the industry can can learn. But when I was first starting out, everything was very much, you had to either learn on the job or be the person that <laughs> yeah. is innovative yeah. enough to figure out how to do it. Right.
1: So I think that's so important because you have to have this lifelong learner mindset. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big believer in that because yes. school can only teach you so much, even in the MBA program that I was in. I remember yes. my marketing professor, she had gone to Stanford as a PhD in marketing. She was a VP at Frito-Lay. And she said, after this MBA program, you will know 5% of what you need to do to do your job. And I was like, what? What do you mean 5%? (laughs) I thought we were going to get a lot more than that. And so it really rehashed this idea that learning doesn't stop once you graduate, right? Like you have to be somebody that has this innate growth mindset so that you're out seeking and taking in new information. Because one, things just change so quickly. yes. And two, school programs, they're designed to teach the masses, right? Like it's designed Mm -hmm. to teach generally across, even if it's specialized, it's designed to teach uh, multiple types of learners and students and things like that for multiple different situations. And so as you continue to progress in your career, you really have to be somebody that is seeking new information that fits your specific needs and use cases and Sounds like you were someone that sort of had that natural innate desire to keep learning and growing.
0: Yes, I love learning new stuff all the time. And I think you almost have to because it's not even in the industry that I work. There's always new fads, new trends, things that are always changing. People find something that they like or I always tell my clients that I'm about 10 years ahead of the curve. Uh-huh. You know, I I was doing ceiling installations before ceiling installations became popular. I was doing plexiglass and acrylics 10 years before they're, mm-hmm. you know, like they're really in right now, but we were doing this back in like 2010. So yeah, I told my clients that I'm about 10 years ahead of the curve. You can look at my stuff from 10 years ago and I'm already doing what they're doing now, mm-hmm. which is what's trending now. So yeah, you kind of have to be in the industry that I'm in and innovative. I don't know if you hear that a lot, but definitely ahead of the curve is is what brides are looking for, mm-hmm. clients are looking for. They want to see things that hasn't been done yet or can be done differently. So you're always trying to be, you know, thinking mm-hmm. ahead of the what's the next trend or what do you think is going to happen Next year, that people are going to really like or latch onto, or really excite the clients and their their guests.
1: Do you have a process for trying to get ahead of the curve? Are you just trying to absorb as much information as possible, and then you mix and match and experiment and test things, or how do you go about coming up with new ideas uh, or designing? New design ideas.
0: And- That's a good question. When I meet with my clients, I like to ask them what they envision their event looking like. What do they see when they walk into that room? What do they want to see when they walk into that room? What colors do they love? What do they want to bring to their event that's about them? What do they want their guests to experience? And then from that, I go home and I think, okay, what do I need to do Mm. to impress these people? I love impressing people. Uh (laughs) I like to take the information that I gather from them and go, okay, this is what I think I can do that can make it spectacular for you. Mm. This is what I can do that I think will impress your guests and make it memorable for them. At the end of the day, at the end of every event, people are going to go away and they're going to talk about the experience that they had, the people that they met, what they enjoyed most. And I want to make sure that my clients hit on all of those notes when we're discussing how to impress their guests.
1: Yeah. So for those that don't know, Rebecca was actually Kelly and I's wedding coordinator and planner as well. One thing that we really appreciated about you and your knowledge was you were able to help us focus on, hey, this is important. Mm-hmm. Hey, this isn't important. You want to spend your money here and your budget here, not here. Most folks, it's usually their first experience. And so they don't have much context besides what they've seen at weddings. Yeah. And everyone's has different priorities, different mm-hmm. needs and different budgets for what they can do. And so having somebody that has seen different mixes, what actually matters and having you focus it in, you were such a valuable resource to us.
0: Oh, thank
1: you. I guess from a wedding planning and coordinating perspective, when did you start to make the shift from hotels and being a florist to My niche is going to be weddings.
0: I think it happened pretty quickly. I enjoy doing flowers a lot. Obviously, that's where I started. But I also enjoy talking to people. Mm -hmm. And I think part of what makes my job so rewarding for me is that I get to sit down. Let's just take you and Kelly. I get to sit down and talk to you about what's important to you and what's important to your day. And then I take that information and then I start planning. So it was a natural progress. So other than just working with flowers, talking to my clients, I was able to move forward and say, okay, prioritize what's important to you. And for you guys, it was budget, but we also want our families to have a good time, make sure the food is good, they had adequate alcohol,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: things that were really important for you guys and your family. So when we sit down and get the opportunity to talk and prioritize and find out what's most important everything just comes together for you guys and for me as well as a planner or as a designer or as a florist most of the time i like to kind of work it all together yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> how, how long have you been doing wedding planning and coordinating for now
0: Okay, so I would say almost, I think we're coming on 15 years now. 15 years? Yeah.
1: Oh my God. Have you had to deal with tough customers?
0: Every single one of my clients are different. So I tailor my approach to each of my clients differently. One of the perks, again, of this job is that I do get a chance to sit down and meet with them before we sign on. And if there's not, maybe the personality doesn't really match up or their vision is different from what my vision is or what I think their vision is, I don't typically sign on with him and I would recommend them to someone else. Mm. But if I do happen to get a client, that's a little bit more difficult. It's six months to a year. right? And at the end of that, it's like I've helped you and hopefully it was a good experience for you. And then that's it. We part ways. So there's there's really no hard feelings and, and then that's it. And then we move on. Yeah. But I just feel like if you're really passionate and you really love what you do and you're really good at it, the right people will show up at your doorstep, mm. at least for me. Uh, I haven't really advertised my business in about 12 years that I've been in business. And it's always been recommendations or people have come across and they're like, I really want you to be a part of this. And I'm like, yes, I want to be a part of it too. So, yeah, it's rewarding that way.
1: Yeah. A couple of comments there. First, you talked about like working with tough customers and how you're able to avoid some of them just based on – First, couple of conversations, and yeah. we're not really jiving, or we don't yeah. really align in our vision, or maybe we don't connect in a way that you hope. I think at some point, I think it's hard for people who are maybe early on in their businesses or maybe early on in their careers for them to say, I guess you have this desire to take on everyone because you're trying mm-hmm. to grow. Yeah. And yeah, to some extent, you want to adapt and grow your business, but I think it's really wise and prudent to say, Hey, like, you're not the right fit for me, or yeah. like, we're not going to be the right fit. Yeah. Because Your product might be the same at the end of it, the results, if you're mostly a referral business and Mm -mm. you don't click and maybe you're not going to get the same referrals and it might do more harm than good. And so I love that you were very thoughtful about who you work with and making sure that you're going to be able to provide the value that a couple is seeking. You had shared how you're primarily referral business. That's how we met you too is through another couple that I had asked them any tips and things like that. And they're like, you need to have a wedding planner and coordinator. Is Rebecca's contact and I was like, "Oh, I didn't even think about hiring a wedding planner in But Let us reach out to Rebecca."
0: Yeah, I'm so glad you did because now I've got a friend.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I'm doing a, podcast, so yeah, doing a podcast. I would have never it. I would have never thought of myself doing one. <laughs> I actually wanted to ask you what you enjoy about this. Why did you do this versus just doing your blog or something like that?
1: Yeah, writing was I guess easier, right? Like the mm-hmm. the setup costs is you need a website can buy a domain name. You don't yeah. necessarily need one. Yeah. You probably want one just yeah. so it looks a little more professional. Yeah. But blogging felt like a very easy way to start to get content out. Like it mm-hmm. was more straightforward. Typing and then being able to add images and tell a story. Oh. That was really fun and it was a great way to share information. I think after a while it was like, okay, blogging's great. I really enjoy that. Oh. But what I really enjoy is connecting with people and talking yeah. to people and discussing it. Blogging was fun because kicks off these great conversations with people because now you've had this sort of shared framework and mm-hmm. shared information. It made for really fruitful conversations. I actually met some of my closest friends from mm-hmm. folks that had read my blog. Yeah. And But podcasting was always interesting to me because yeah. it gives me an excuse to reach out to people. Yeah. It's been fun to have guests on for them yeah. to share it with their friends yeah. or their friends to be like, oh, I didn't know that about you. And I've known you for 10 years. They're having great conversations with their friends. Yeah. People are having conversations with me about this person and that experience and what they learned it's been a great way to build community yeah. chat and i just enjoy the whole process of talking editing and sharing like too. i
0: told you one of the reasons why i agreed to do this was just because i wanted to talk to you not necessarily <laughs> like this process is uh, like very scary for
1: No, me. i appreciate you stepping out of your comfort zone i'm also really big on seeking discomfort and finding yeah. things that make you uncomfortable oh. i think even for me I'm starting with my close friends, but yeah. I'm already starting to extend out into yeah. friends of friends and eventually yeah. being able to talk to strangers.
0: So it's connections for you, making connections. I'm the same way. I think in my in my job, I really enjoy meeting couples. I mm-hmm. enjoy talking to them and learning about them. And I become friends with a lot of my couples even after we're done working together. Yeah. But yeah, it's about that connection. And like I was saying, I like to nurture people. And this is something I feel like I can do really well. They're almost like my children. <laughs> almost. But I also get to be a part of their special day. It's that fear of missing out,
1: mom. <laughs> yep, Polo. <hello. laughs>
0: yes. You always want to be there. I love being behind the scenes. I don't need to be in front of anything. Of mm. anything, I shy away from being in front of things. But I, I'm also... A very much type A control freak. So uh-huh. that's where it helps me as a planner is I like to be very knowledgeable about what I'm doing. I like to know in advance how things are going to turn out. I like to know every aspect of every wedding, ins and outs of everything. So that way I can control how your day turns
1: out. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. probably a really important part of being a wedding planner and coordinator mm-hmm. is wanting to have a good schedule, have a really yes. good sense of the details of what's going to happen throughout the day, yeah. And I think for some people, it's really easy to be like, "Oh, that doesn't matter." It's it can go, it can go sideways really, very really quickly. Quickly,
0: yeah. I think, and this is one of those jobs that. The more experience you get on the job, it definitely helps. Like a cake falling over, you know. Does
1: that happen? It
0: has. I've had a cake topple over. I've had a groom pass out. I mean, anything can happen and you never expect it. So you definitely want someone who has experience, who's very, for the most part, calm, under pressure, and just know enough ways to fix things. And I think for me, that's exciting. Putting out fires is exciting. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Kelly and I remember...
1: (laughs) We were lined up at the back of the church, getting ready to walk up to the front altar and everything, and our ring bearer just started bawling, just crying, and Kelly and I were like, oh my gosh, what's happening? And then we see you just swoop in, grab him, take him out, and then we're like, okay, we'll figure something out. And then the music starts, and we're like, oh, we don't have a ring bearer. It's okay, like, we'll figure it out. And then all of a sudden, you come back in, drop him off, and he's fine, and he walks up and we were like, "Oh my God! What kind of magic is this? That was amazing!" And so
0: that's ten years of babysitting my own children.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, I bring I bring a lot of experience, but also a lot of it is also in personality. I feel like that's one of my checkmark attributes that helps me as a mm-hmm. planner is that I I tend to work really well with children mm-hmm. and adults as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think you almost have to have that personality. You can't just always be controlling. You can't always be management type personality sometimes it takes a little bit of motherly touch sometimes Mm. it takes a little bit of hey you need to take a deep breath step back it's going to be okay you need to be that reassuring force behind it just takes a lot of personalities a lot of hats that you have to wear as a planner as a coordinator to make that job work
1: yeah i wonder if you feel like so even though you spent two or three years in nursing, if a lot of the things that you learn working with patients, if you yes. carried that forward into how you work with families and couples on their became. it
0: it really has it really has. Honestly, that's probably the best mm-hmm. part of being a planner is I was able to use some of what I've learned in school or even just on the job as a nurse. And bring that to my planning and coordinating job. I mean, nothing that you learn in school is ever wasted. It affects you in different ways, and you use it in different ways. Mm -hmm. Take what you learn in school. It doesn't matter what course you take or what path you take, but eventually you're going to use it Mm -hmm. one way or another. You wouldn't think that being a nurse would help you as a planner, but it really does because the things that you learn in psychology or behavioral management and stuff like that, it It helps a lot. It helps my clients in that I can reassure them that your day is going to be okay. You just need to take a deep breath, take it all in. It's going to happen really fast. And just be that calming, reassuring person in the back that they know that they've worked with, that they trust. And that's another reason why I'm always the one planner because I work with my clients from the beginning to the end. Mm -hmm. And I want to be that face that they see the day of because I've been there with them this whole process. So I can't just bring in somebody mm-hmm. the day before and so they say, hey, okay, this person's going to work with you when I've been with you down that whole journey. So that's the reason why I only do one wedding a weekend is so mm-hmm. that I can spend it with just that couple that I work with all the whole yeah. time.
1: Yeah. But One thing that you had talked about was your experiences even though they don't feel like they connect or don't seem like they can connect Mm -hmm. how they can really serve you in the future as well and i think a lot of times we're in control of the stories we tell ourselves Mm -hmm. like we're able to shape our experiences and say hey that was a bad experience or you could view it as hey i learned a lot from that experience and here's the opportunities that i can take those learnings and apply it in the future Mm -hmm. i think it's so important for folks to like slow down and think about what are you telling yourselves, right? Like what narratives are you shaping and telling yourselves? Because they're really powerful and they can really mm-hmm. shape how you think, how you act and respond. And maybe your story doesn't quite connect and you don't mm-hmm. quite see it yet, but spending a little more time with that and thinking through how could that really empower me or how could I leverage that experience into what I'm doing now? Yeah,
0: Take that and learn from it and then move on. <laughs> no, no, no.
1: So we know a lot of friends and people that are, getting engaged through the holiday season, we're starting to think about wedding planning. What tips do you have for a couple that's getting ready to plan their big day?
0: Oh my goodness. Well, first of all, you probably want to take a little bit of time to enjoy being engaged Mm -hmm. if you can. I think that's a special moment in itself before you really dive into wedding planning because it is basically another job. There's a lot of details that goes into planning, and so take that first few weeks, if you can, to really enjoy being engaged and then sit down and prioritize. Pick a date. Always important. Pick a date. And if you already know vendors that you want to work with, that's great. Check and see if they're available. But if not, finding someone who can help you source vendors is also really important a good wedding planner would be able to help you pair up with the right vendors and that saves a lot of time saves a lot on your budget if Mm -hmm. you're obviously not going to want to have to go through and vet out all 60 different types of vendors when you have someone who can help you do that so that'll save time save money and then um talk to your parents talk to people who are also going to be involved in your wedding planning Make sure that everybody's on the same page of what that day should be like and set a budget. That would be the next big thing. Make sure that you set a good budget that you can work with and always know that it will probably be a little bit more, but uh, except for you guys, <laughs> you guys are excellent with your budget. <laughs> and then after that, just let the people who you hire do their job. I think you have to have trust in the, if you have good vendors and reliable vendors, and that's important that you pick really good vendors. Just let them do their job because that's what they're there for is to make your day special for you and you shouldn't have to worry about that. And then enjoy the day. Enjoy the moment. Be with your family and be with your friends. And that's most important.
1: Yeah. I love that. One thing that I shared with someone else the other day was how we loved having you through the whole process to help Mm -hmm. us out. You helped us find our photographer. You helped us find our videographer. And you? <laughs> uh, yeah, you helped us find our first venue. Yeah. And then they canceled on us three weeks before the wedding. And you helped us find a second venue. And basically went yeah. through the whole replanning process. But yes. the other thing I really appreciated about having you as a day of coordinator as well, oh. along with the planning and everything leading up to the day was, during the day, I remember you saying, if anyone needs anything, just send them my way. Yeah. And that gave us so much confidence through the whole day to be like, go find Rebecca and she'll point you in the right direction because inevitably people come up to the bride and groom to ask this or that or what do you want me to do and things like that and you're trying to enjoy the day and it can really quickly derail you but having you as a safety net sort of first Uh filter before anything had to come to us really probably eliminated like 98% of the the questions or things that we would have had to field and so that was super helpful.
0: I, I like to consider myself the mediator in between, mm-hmm. the go-to person, the mediator, everything. Planning a wedding is very stressful. And a lot of times having someone who you can depend on or re- even just bounce ideas off of or a go between parents, different generation views a wedding planning and how a wedding should be could be very different than yourself or the couple themselves. They may see something a little bit more less formal, a little bit more fun for them. But parents may see it a little bit differently. Maybe they may find it a more formal event and they have their friends that they want to include also. And so having someone who's there to help answer those questions or also for you to bounce ideas off of or to direct people to can definitely be something that would ease your day or even ease your journey in wedding planning. Yeah,
1: Yeah. it was so nice because you're Vietnamese and so you understand (laughs) the Vietnamese cultures and 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 dynamics. I think our generation is very, I guess we're kind of stuck in between two Mm -hmm. cultures. Yes, Our families grew up in Vietnam. Many of us were born in the U.S. Vietnam weddings have a different sort of expectation and tradition that go along with it. Tea ceremonies, other things like that but sometimes that can be a big clashing point. And so having someone who understands both wants and needs and is a third party and can yeah. help help you understand what's important and how to navigate balancing both making it your special day but still honoring the traditions.
0: Yeah, that your parents expect. Right, um, right. So everyone's happy at the end of the everyone's day. Everyone's happy at the <laughs> end of the day. <laughs> yes, and that's what we want. You want your families your parents your families to be happy and feel honored and feel like they were a part of your celebration. And you also get to enjoy the more, I guess, modern Mm -hmm. aspects of what you guys have grown up to expect that aren't culturally expected, I guess, from your parents. And so, yeah, being kind of that in-between person is, it's nice. It's nice to have someone like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, do you primarily do and plan weddings in Oklahoma City? Do you travel for a lot of that?
0: I do. Actually, funny you say that. I'm traveling to Texas for my first wedding this year. So I do destination wedding. Planning a wedding is pretty much the same anywhere because you follow, obviously, the same kind of protocols that are necessary to have a successful event. But destinations are a little bit different as you're dealing with different vendors, obviously, that are special to that location. So it requires a little bit more legwork. Mm-hmm. But at the same token, you get to meet different people, meet new vendors that offer different services as well. So, yeah, meeting new people, learning new things. So we definitely can do destination weddings.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. I'm trying to think through what else we haven't covered yet.
0: I think a question you did not ask me is the difference between a planner, coordinator, and an event designer. Oh, yeah. What's
1: what's the difference between a wedding planner, coordinator, (laughs) and event designer?
0: It's more than just the timeline. (laughs) Well, when you have an event designer, they actually can go in and work on your whole entire event. Mm-hmm. They can plan like what the room would look like, what linens you can put on the table, other aspects other than just putting together a vendor sheet and timeline. And it's different than just a coordinator or just someone who's just there the day of, who is taking a timeline and making sure everybody shows up on time and a list of vendors who needs to be there and do their job. Mm-hmm. So event planner. Helps you plan. Event designer helps you design. (laughs) And the day of coordinator just makes sure the day runs smoothly with everything that's been handed to them.
1: Is it pretty Uh, standard for people to have three different, a planner, a designer, and a coordinator? Is it more common for people to have one person that does all three?
0: I'm an event designer because I really enjoy knowing all aspects of the event. I want your event to be cohesive I want the invitations to set a statement, and everything needs to come together cohesively. Lighting needs to make sense. Logos need to make sense. Branding, basically branding your event. Mm -hmm. So that's an event designer, and I enjoy that. Not all planners are event designers. You can be a planner. You can help your clients put together a timeline, set up vendors, and go to meetings and schedule appointments and stuff like that. You can obviously just have a planner if that's what you need. Then you can also just have a day of coordinator, which is someone who could just step in maybe a month out, kind of reach out to the vendors, make sure they have a good timeline, and then show up the day of, and then just make sure your day runs smoothly. So I like to handle all Mm 3 Because, again, I'm a type A control freak, and I want to make sure that I understand the ins and outs of your event. I want to make sure that if you're picking that color linen, there's a reason for why you're picking that color. Mm-hmm. And not just because, oh, I like blue, no, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you guess. know, or I like green. So I very much want an event to look and feel what I think you want it to be. One of our first meetings when I meet with my clients is to set a vision mm-hmm. or to understand what your vision is for your event.
1: To your point, right, if you are looking for a wedding planner or coordinator, mm-hmm. it's important for you to understand, do they do event design as well or yes. do they focus and specialize in one area? And so mm-hmm. being able to distinguish who, what type of service you're going to be getting will yes. help you sort of plan for what's missing and what else you need.
0: Yes. Different roles, different hats. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. To wrap up the podcast yeah. episode, what advice would you give to yourself if you could go back in time and say, hey, oh. 25-year-old Rebecca, what yeah. would you want to tell her?
0: Oh, I'd go back further than that. <laughs> what advice would I give, like, 19-year-old Rebecca Okay. going to college or just picking a career? I think when you're, you're just out of high school or just going into college or freshman year trying to pick a path for yourself— have a daughter who's right there right now and what I told her was that there's no right or wrong Mm -hmm. don't feel like this is the last and only opportunity that you're going to have to follow through the rest of your life because she's worried like what if I I don't do well if I pick nursing or if I don't do well if I picked being a teacher I said because you're you're always going to learn something from whatever you choose and then you can take that and then move on to your next career much like I did. I thought I was going to be a nurse for the rest of my life. Or I thought that once I started being a florist, I thought I can do that for a long time. But I didn't just stay there because as I started working in the career or into it, I found out more about myself and what I was, what I really enjoy or what I'm really good at. So you just don't stay stationary. You don't have to. So when you're picking that first career or picking a path when you're first entering college don't feel like that's going to be your one all be all and final Mm -hmm. career decision
1: I love that I thought really resonates with me and I always think about how in the present moment if you Mm -hmm. look back it's really easy to imagine and say oh if I had done this path or that path and I'd maybe be here instead but I think we forget to do is if you look into the future there's still an infinite number of paths that you could potentially take and so yes You can't go back and change the path Mm -hmm. that you're on, but you can from this moment, change the path you will be on in the future. And so I think to your point that these decisions and people make career leaps and changes all the time and it's totally okay. And I think that's what makes for a fun journey. It really is. How long do you see yourself doing this for?
0: I enjoy this job a lot. I'm so passionate about what I do because it's fun and it's rewarding. So a lot of times spending all those extra hours, it doesn't feel like work to me. And then at the end of the day, when I walk into that room or walk into an event and I see how much people enjoy all that hard work, it's just, it's rewarding on so many levels just to see it all come together. And so I think I might be doing this for a while. Yeah, (laughs) I I can't put a year or a number of years to it, but as long as my body holds out, Uh you know,
1: So now that people have heard your story and all the great work that you do, what's the best way for them to reach out to you if they're looking for some wedding support?
0: My website, probably a good place to start. What's your website? Mybespokeevent.com because it is your event. After all, (laughs) it's all about you. But yes, so www.mybespokeevent.com. All right. And that's how you can reach me.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for making time and doing this and helping to book the space and everything so even for the podcast she was the podcast coordinator today as well
0: (laughs) (laughs) thank you for inviting me thank you for having me i enjoyed it very scary process for me to do this but i appreciate you reaching out and getting me out of my comfort zone
1: i love that (laughs) that's what it's all about so thanks everyone big thank you again to Rebecca for stepping out of her comfort zone to share her journey with us. If you recently got engaged or know someone who's gotten engaged, I can't recommend Rebecca enough. She's thoughtful, creative, and an absolute joy to work with. What I found most inspiring about Rebecca was her willingness to step out of her comfort zone and join us as a guest on the podcast. Her actions truly speak louder than words. And I hope that this episode encourages you to also embrace a little discomfort as growth is on the other side. Thanks for listening to How Do You Do That? I'm your host, John Pham.